Adam. Good evening, Christopher. How are you, bro? Uh, I'm okay, actually. I'm a bit gassy, like, burp-wise, because I'm oh, drinking okay. fizzy well, juice. I'm excited to hear this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> this um, is going to be great. This uh, ASMR. Yeah. Um, do you want to do that again? No, I don't. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm quite happy now to just leave all of this chaos in. Brilliant. Um, yeah, it's a wee bit more natural. Natch. Heavy I natch. I got dug you said, up yeah. uh, because I said cray-cray on the last one. Someone actually texted me and gave me any trouble. Really? Uh-huh, a really? friend of mine. So, you going to name and shame? Uh, no. 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 Shame on you. I, I won't do that. No. But uh, <laughs> I'll try not to say anything to hipster. You said in the the episode we did with Craig Reynolds, episode two, you said the phrase heavy natch. Uh, I a didn't get English pellets listeners for that. didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Didn't get any pellets for that. Very natural. Yes, very natural. So, uh... It's number. Oh, brain oh, fart. No, I was trying to count there, but we're like so many. I can't even remember what number we're on. That's maybe nine by the time it comes out. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Probably. But if uh, not, like I'm sure the episode title will let you know that it, we yes. are wrong. And we are here with our good friend Louis Abbott. Hello, Louis Abbott. Hello. How are you? Good, thanks. How's your yes. day been? It's been okay, yeah. I've been in. Um I've been in Berkeley too, which oh. uh, for Glasgow based listeners will know is the. The rehearsal space, sons. <laughs> <laughs> the rehearsal space that has no windows. Yeah, uh, and rightfully so. Yeah, Bar- Barclay too. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> I think we've lost Adam on that. That's a huge in joke to most of the Glasgow music community. <laughs> Good evening, Barclay. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but it's, it's, it's a famed rehearsal studio. It's famous. Yeah. I asked the chap Steve that runs it, um, who the most famous person he ever had in, and he thought for a second. Oh, I'm pretty sure he knew straight away. Yeah. And he said, Beyonce. Mm-hmm. She's pretty famous. She like is. One, my wife, world famous. Um, my pretty wife well known. was in one night and walked into Lionel Richie's rehearsal. Mm. <clears throat> so like, on purpose? No, she th- her band normally at the time rehearsed in room five. Mm-hmm. So she swanned into room five. Well, I tell you, I could <coughs> potentially level up today. And just <laughs> for a photo shoot, I don't think any noise was getting uh, made, was Subo. Oh, what? Just for a photo shoot. Wow. Was Gordon like Wilson there? And everything. Do you know Gordon? As I say, I don't him. think it was like it oh. wasn't a rehearsal. It was oh, like okay. they'd hired the space to get a photo shoot done. Brilliant. Very strange. But I wonder if they were out of uh, ideas as to where they. Yeah, could I don't know photograph. if she's still putting out music or or what's going on with with Suze. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, Subo. she sells she sells tickets. Bums on seats. This is it? Who's the most famous person you've ever met in Berkeley? In Berkeley. The most famous person I've ever met, Ash Sohn. Oh, you met Ash Sohn? I bumped in Ash Sohn in Berkeley um, when he was in with Delamitri. Oh, that was, was famous that last to year? you, but not like well, world I mean, famous. Famous to people no. who might well listen well, to this I, podcast. Very, very correct. Uh, but maybe not Beyonce famous. No, I mean, no. he's certainly not. Young Ashley. Uh, no, <laughs> he's, he's now left The Voice. Yes, so I believe. He was Steve on The was Voice. But. So, I, uh, okay, you're yeah, going yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah, okay, no, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, I've, I, apparently, Adam's not allowed to oh, be sorry, famous. Adam, people Adam, know who's it's the fine. most famous person in Berkeley that you've met? Well, no one, right? But a friend of mine, uh-huh. that sounds like I like, I've got this yep, friend. Yep, it does. Um, my, in fact, I was, no, I was there, but we didn't see any of them. Biffy Clyro were in, and oh, okay. uh, all the, for anyone who knows Berkeley, like, Typically, room four is it room four that's the biggest room? That's usually where they like they put all the famous mm. people. Four and five, I think. Four and five. Of, sometimes they join them up. Oh. I believe when you might be about to say this, but I believe when the Biff are in, they sort of put them in in a room each, so they oh. all get a room each, and then the desk and all that goes in a different room. I think they kind of hire the whole space essentially. Oh. I'm sure they still like wow. each other, but it must, yeah. it must be nice to have your own room. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Right. Um, so. I was in rehearsing with an old band I used to be in and we walked past said three rooms potentially <laughs> um, and they must have just come back from touring or they must have been something but basically there was just like this flight case that was open and it was full of like used drum heads and it was about like it looked like about 40 of them but I'm quite small so like a lot of things look really really big sure giggity um, you can edit that yep um, so uh, yeah so there was like just like guitar plectrums just scattered all around with Biffy Clyro on them and my friend picked them up. I feel as though I've built up this story far too much because it's really not that great. Um, and uh, he picked up one of the the plectrums. He was like, oh my God, Biffy Clyro guitar plectrum, I'm going to keep this. And the guitar tech just looked at him and was like, put that back. And like he was just like, 
<laughs> Put it back in the floor, and he's like, "No, man, I'm only kidding. Just pick it up." He's like, oh, "Okay, okay," and we're all like, "Stop." Yeah. Um. So, Louis, people who are uh, dedicated, dedicated, dedicated listeners of this channel, uh, may or may not know who you are and what you do. So, could you just casually introduce yourself and what your main projects are? And uh, yeah. Well, I guess primarily. I'm a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, I sing and write songs for the Glasgow-based uh, orchestral indie pop band Admiral <laughs> Fallow. Um, but I sort of started life as a drummer, and I still do a lot of a lot of my work as 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 a session drummer, um, both recording and kind of touring. So that's kind of the two well two of the things that I do. I also work um, a lot as a uh, like running songwriting workshops uh, primarily in the the criminal justice system so I spend a lot of time in prisons doing kind of songwriting workshops and um, so a, bu- a bunch of kind of different stuff but those mm-hmm. are the main things I guess um, we have the um, privilege I guess of sharing the same alumni status we both went to the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland but you studied classical percussion well you? I was actually I actually graduated when it was the RSMD which I is started slightly, RSMD. slightly cooler than yeah. the RCS <laughs> but, not, but not much <laughs> I think you st- I must have graduated the year I started 2009 I think I finished and I started yeah. in 2010 uh, yeah because yeah. yeah. they didn't have a jazz course when That's I was right. there which actually was like the only reason pretty much the only reason I did I studied on a classical music course um, was because the, I think the BAM course at Strathclyde was finishing. Yeah. Um, BA applied music. I was heartbroken and when that course. Yeah, broke. it was really sad. Yeah. And also, and like the <coughs> the RCS or the RSMD didn't have a jazz course, so that's yeah. kind of the main reason I I went and studied on that course. So if I'd been for if I'd started when you'd started, perhaps we'd have been uh, classmates. Classmates. Mm. Um, how was it for you doing that kind of thing? Was that something that you were always into classical percussion or? you a drum kit guy uh de- definitely started on the drums um and really spent most of most of the four years i did a year at, did a year or two at juniors as well right on saturdays okay. um and i pretty much only wanted to play the drums right um they kind of frowned upon that back then didn't they they had stuff that they had gear mm-hmm. um but they didn't really have so you had uh once uh what would you call it a term mm-hmm. semester or something yeah. um they had dave hassel oh, uh, coming and doing right. like uh you sort of got an hour if you were lucky kind of thing he came yeah. and did a day or maybe two i can't quite remember but he didn't get loads of time so he did a bit of group stuff with him and a, like a one-to-one lesson so for the first three years that was kind of all i got to uh-huh. do was that and then like they had a big band but at that time it was like straight oh, kind of the straight yeah. players yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Luckily, there was a really like a decent bass player, mm-hmm. Brody Jarvie, yeah, who's no now kind of kicking yeah. about in the Glasgow jazz scene. Um, <laughs> He's very talented, uh, swinging away. Yep. So Brody was, I think, maybe the year below me. So we had Brody and myself, and a few folk in that band who are still doing that kind of stuff, um, like a, f- a few of the kind of horns folk. Anyway. Um, so a big band happened and, and actually for a while Ryan Quigley took that band so oh, okay. um, who's an amazing trumpet player for, for those of you who don't know him um, is now like down I think down in London yeah. plays with like he was I doing the Robbie George Williams Michael? Robbie doing, Williams yeah, Robbie Williams tour like he's that guy that just does <coughs> yeah. all these things you'll pop up on telly every couple of years and you'll yeah. be like oh he's still, still playing yeah. but he was amazing and he really knows he really knows his stuff so it was great to get a wee bit of that but to, to go back to I'm sort of um, waffling here but to go back to your original thing there wasn't a lot of space for like anyone that w- wanted to play drums mm-hmm. primarily you were there to study timpani and mm-hmm. play in the orchestras and the wind bands and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, and I, I wouldn't say if I was being fair I wouldn't say I hated it I quite enjoyed it but uh, I found it really really terrifying like in a way that I've never really found sitting behind a drum kit mm-hmm. terrifying mm. um, that thing of like uh sitting for a long time to play a cymbal like mm. a, a yeah. pair of cymbals yeah, and yeah, not yeah. messing that up or like a hitting a tam-tam and it's got to be just the right sound and all that i, I think there's a lot of art in that and I, I would never like rail on folk who do that but um i found it really really nervy mm-hmm. um and i struggled even in like exams with one mm-hmm. or two instructors uh 
folk kind of judging the exam or whatever mm. uh, I would get the shakes like terrible shakes couldn't do any of the quiet snare drum stuff we had to just leave it in the exam and stuff and like I'll come back to the end couldn't really get through it really bad like kind of why why do I feel like this kind of mm. thing you know and I, I never really got that behind a drum kit eh? or even on a guitar I never really yeah. got that mm. you know suppose it's a different kind of pressure though isn't it like it's just like well, oh being examined on an instrument like, is horrendous it's, mm-hmm. it's the worst it's really thing. really weird because mm-hmm. it's a judgement that you don't get anywhere else like the way people you can see when people look at you like if you make a mistake they give you this really strange look mm-hmm. um, so I can understand it yeah I totally yeah, can I remember my first mm-hmm. recital at college and we had uh, I think we had 45 minutes that we had to play and there's parameters you know you've got to do except the jazz course you had to do standards mm-hmm. and your own music and all yeah. that and you know people making an arse of it mm-hmm. on the on the bandstand and you've got to try and like you're playing in six and someone starts playing in five or something mm-hmm. weird happens and it gets all swimmy it's not very nice were you into the that's music? great though like the fact that part of that is original composition you know yeah I mean, which that, isn't I, a thing no, in the classical not, it's thing really, at all you're correct and again like the art that p- people put into like learning their instruments the amount of hours they sit in a wee room just practicing those excerpts or scales or yeah, all that kind of stuff like, piano players, it's a man. different thing yeah. it's a different kind of um, focus I guess and yeah, just like yeah. if you asked any of my uh, sort of folk who were there on the course with me like they'd be like ah, you you did nothing like mm. you really did not tr- yeah. like seem like you just didn't want to be there and, and i did enjoy it and i also met all of my all bar one of admiral fallow were on the course oh, with right. me at the okay, time great. um phil was also on the on the yeah, percussion yeah. course with me the year above me sarah was in my year i think um and kev was kind of there in- intermittently mm. clarinet player in the band um, left for a while and came back and finished and Joe was on the BAM course at the, right. at the, at the mm-hmm. um, Strathclyde so we were all there around the same time so that's another thing I would never like uh, I, I found positive things in that in that course yeah. largely meeting my bandmates and, and all the things that that led to and all the touring and, and we're still making music now yeah. so. Were you into the music? Um, like I don't I don't remember going home and slamming on some Mahler <laughs> and like just like getting in the bath. No, I d- no, I, I don't. I think I'd be fibbing if I said I really dug it. But I liked elements of it. Mm-hmm. I liked, you know, certain bits of like repertoire we do in like a repertoire class or something. Like mm-hmm. you'd kind of find the real, the kind of interest in it. Mm-hmm. I just kind of liked stuff that grew, like kind of groove a mm-hmm. little bit. And there's yeah. not, well. I'm sure loads of folk who knew much more than me would argue that there's plenty of groove in uh, throughout the history of classical music, but particularly in like contemporary classical music, of which we got to do some of at mm. a festival called Plug, which I think oh, still yeah, happens. Yeah, it does happen. Yeah. Like, got your teeth into some really weird and wonderful Aye. modern composition, and I really enjoyed that, because usually it meant playing weird stuff and yeah, hitting yeah. stuff loudly, and, and uh, so that was great, but no, I wasn't... I think I've got about five CDs from my time <laughs> back in the, the day of CDs. We're yeah, talking yeah. about the mid noughties here. Yeah, wow. um, the vinyl uh, <laughs> research hadn't kicked in yet. Um, so, yeah, I think I've got like five or six CDs that I bought at the time. And and, it, and uh, maybe just to wrap this segment up, because it can't be that interesting, but towards the end of my studies there, I was able to go to uh, Kurt Hans Goedeke, who's the still the kind of... The guy, the head of the, the head of timpani and percussion, basically head of the department. Um, I was able to go to him and say, "Look, I I really have enjoyed getting lessons from you, but I'm never going to be a timpanist. Is there anything we can do in my final year to make it a bit more relevant to what I want to do when I leave here?" So my hours got taken away from the timpani stuff and put on in more time with Dave oh. Hassel doing like Latin or or drums and, and stuff like that. So they were totally they wanted me to have a good time, you know. Yeah. They re- they really did you know put in a lot of work to mm-hmm. to get me doing stuff i wanted to be doing kind of thing so how do you go from that to like a chief songwriter of a group like admiral fallow and singer because that's quite to me it's quite a leap especially on a course that gave you no composition element well there was there was a little composition kind of elective i guess I, i'd started writing songs when i went there kind of right. thing i'd started okay. kind of not a lot and not not um no, there wasn't a lot usable or particularly fruitful kind of thing um but i'd started writing songs when i first kind of went there so um and and the band started i think in our first or second year like just doing little little kind of gigs mm-hmm. acoustic i think one of the early gigs we did 
maybe like the second or third gig was opening for that band Gillimots. Do you remember them? Oh, yeah. oh I remember Gillimots. Um, yeah. In the academy, like in the Carling Carling oh, Academy, oh. as it was in twenty and eight. Um, so like really kind of that was pretty nervy. But like we'd already started making music uh-huh. as early as two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. So I was writing songs while I was studying, basically, right. and I was much much more interested in doing that than I was, um, learning how to play bolero yeah, or playing yeah. bolero for 16 minutes you know what yeah, i mean um, yeah. uh started playing at quite a lot of open mic nights and like began hosting a couple of open mic nights which i kept going for years and years afterwards which is a really ha- i would say it's kind of harder for drummers i guess but like it's a really it's a good way of getting in front of folk every week and just trying stuff out and yeah. whether it's original material or just getting your chops up for playing in front of folk performing in, mm-hmm. in any kind of way um so yeah, I was kind of doing it at the same time as, as studying there, and and uh, as soon as I left, that's kind of what I turned my full attention to. Was like I didn't, didn't hit a drum for a wee while, couple mm-hmm. of years maybe. Just my only interest was like playing and singing and writing songs for that band. Um, do you, so. How do you think about? Do you think about drums when you write, or do you leave that to Phil? Um, I think he. I like I've. I feel like I've got nothing to say to Phil that would be in any way useful for him <laughs> like he uh, yeah. uh, the way he writes music from the drums um is amazing like he's a really a really thoughtful and musical drummer you know and, and he's so talented on uh like throughout the percussion world he really was like he was the kind of benchmark when when i was there other folk were trying to be at his kind of level across yeah. all the disciplines timpani tune percussion like four mallet stuff um and and repertoire like he was the kind of guy you wanted yeah. to be as good as kind of thing and so he plays really lyrically really musically it's not stuff we don't really sit down and discuss like parts mm-hmm. we discuss like shapes of song the shape of the song and um you know we it's good that we can talk in a kind of in like drum language drum mm-hmm. chat we mm-hmm. can have that kind of chat yeah, yeah, but yeah. we don't do it loads i think um everyone in that band is is mega talented basically and is really really good at coming up with really interesting parts um we don't rehearse loads because everyone can play well Mm -hmm. and i think that's something that if we don't overthink music that we're making it tends to come it comes pretty good pretty quickly more natural as well yeah just like i mean we've we've spent time like the album third album we made spent a long time putting it together and and there's loads of parts and it's really dense and it's not like people seem to like that record but with each one we make and as as time passes i think we try and get better at just not overthinking things you know mm-hmm. um so yeah we can we can talk drum drum talk but we don't we don't tend to do it and he certainly doesn't need he doesn't need my guidance yeah, or advice yeah, on totally, anything he's yeah. grown up with the heartiest handshake The line steady flow The hint of a could be keen eye from The spectre in the second row So I guess in that sense then it's like a songwriting conglomerate or it's a group rather than a solo thing? I think definitely for that record we made back in 2015 um sort of it was a case of the all of us in a room together coming up with the form of a song and then me taking it away and adding lyrics kind of down the line the only reason we've gone back to um a slightly older way of working on this new record which we just finished um well it's not quite finished but we've been tracking it for the past couple of months um it's just time like we've mm-hmm. we're all really busy doing yeah. all other stuff um yeah. I work kind of four days a week just now. Joe works probably seven days a week just now. <laughs> uh, he he works for Four Three Two, who are a uh, local promoter in Glasgow. Put on a lot a load of amazing bands and festivals and stuff like that. Phil and Sarah are doing loads of teaching, and Sarah's playing with her other band. You tell me, um, and Kev runs a very excellent. Uh, breakfast brunch restaurant called Legom with my wife. <laughs> uh, plug. Uh, in, in Glasgow's leafy south side so everyone's super busy and, and the only way we could really do it again this time round was for me to write some songs take them to the band rehearse yeah. them a little bit take them into the studio okay mm-hmm. so yeah cool um, 
because you're a drummer, when you find yourself in a situation playing with another drummer, do you think about the drums? And I mean that, like, do you think about the time, if someone shifts the time, or if <laughs> someone's not got great time? Do you know what I mean? Or even, like, groove-wise, like, do yeah, you... Like, I wouldn't have played that, or... Yeah, know? like... Um, not really. Again, like, I think Phil is really solid, and I don't ever really notice major time things. Um, particularly not on gigs, anyway. It might be, like, the occasional kind of a rehearsal's gone on into mm-hmm. its ninth hour and everyone's a bit <laughs> frazzled and you're like was that a bit slow yeah it was pretty slow Aye. that's because we're all like falling asleep at the wheel yeah. so like we things like that and also in other work that i do so i've also um in in my work that i do with the uh, uh, vox luminous who are the the charity i mentioned earlier doing the work in the criminal justice system like part of the output of that is to uh to make some songs in the studio and and to kind of release songs albums um and i've kind of been in charge of like kind of running the the house band if you like and mm-hmm. the kind of gig for those shows so i'll get folk like for example liam chapman mm. or um uh yeah uh, i'll tend to get folk in who i maybe qu- quite like the playing of already so mm-hmm. it's not like i'm ever kind of feel like it's not like i ever feel like i'm sort of pulling the what's that phrase clutching straws <laughs> wool over someone's something eyes something about a car i can't remember oh. but yeah it's not like i'm ever sitting going like oh, i wish really wish i hadn't hired this person yeah, yeah, you know yeah. sure. um no that, that was a long answer to say when i'm working with phil i don't really need mm. to think about anything or i don't naturally think about anything because he's kind of dealing with it there are other there are other folk i've worked with um who have kind of been like you know let's let's think about the, the time here or something mm. but hopefully not in a, a kind of uh uh, dictatory kind of way. Yeah, you know, it's not like yeah. I'm saying I could sit there and do that loads better. You yeah, know, it's yeah. usually like I've noticed this because I'm out front and I'm not behind yeah. the tubs. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, coming from classical training, did it have uh, how's that form? Did it have any sort of input into your thinking about how you look at gear because? being at that school man you must have had access to really great gear yeah really uh it's a it's a big regret actually that i didn't sort of <laughs> we were really spoiled spoiled yeah. at that time <laughs> you thinking i would like pinch a wee snare drum my really good friend pete march has just gone back to study oh. again there i think he's doing a master's he was there at the same time as me he left for a while um, but he's gone back and he's he's sort of sending me the occasional text usually of kind of this is how it is now kind of yeah. patter or we didn't know how good we had it kind of thing and i do think about that with some of the gear like some of the snare drums they, ha- they had there and i think still have there because i wouldn't imagine they've gotten rid of any of the stuff really really nice gear quite yeah. a lot of symbols but not loads of like symbols for drums yeah. like quite a lot of um viennese symphonic ah, yeah, crash symbols uh, yeah. and stuff like that and like loads of really high-end pearl orchestral snare drums yeah yeah. i don't know much about that range so i, I couldn't be able to, i couldn't tell you names but mm-hmm. some of them are like the same drum but like four different versions of the same drum but with different snare wires and well, stuff yeah, like it's really say, yeah, like they use like gut wires loads and of stuff mm-hmm. yeah but like what i mean is they've kind of got one of everything there and that again yeah. is the guy kurt that runs the thing like does well to get them a lot of stuff yeah so loads of stuff the, the thing i th- feel like i didn't make the most of was like a lot of the tune percussion so they've got some beautiful marimbas there mm-hmm. some really nice sets of vibes um and i've been getting into like recording mm-hmm. stuff now um and i make quite a lot of recordings at home uh, and now i would know how to record some of those instruments to maybe put on like an admiral fallow record or something mm-hmm. like that so just getting access to the building is something i i miss a little bit because yeah, yeah. they've got such nice gear yeah um and again like around about the time i left they got a really nice i want to say a brooklyn like a Gretsch, Brooklyn. Is it the green one? The green one. That's a renown, I think. Mm, might oh, be. Oh, I, I know that the jazz department got a new future. classic. Right, right. It was the the Marine Pearl new classic because they bought it from here actually. Right, right. Uh, but there was also a green renown, a green, a very beautiful green sparkle renown. Oh, was that a renown? I thought yeah. it was like a goodier than that. But um, not to disrespect the renown range, <laughs> they're very nice drums. Although I've never played any. Um, so yeah, they are lovely stuff. Yeah. It doesn't really. It feels like ages ago i don't think of myself as a classical percussionist in any way so i don't it doesn't 
it doesn't forge how I think about mm-hmm. going in and buying a cymbal or right. a snare drum now. I kind of just do that with my ears. Mm-hmm. Or to be honest, like dork out on videos online <laughs> and then <laughs> look up what you've got here and come in and hit some of them. <laughs> um, so no, it didn't. It, to be honest, it didn't really. Did your, shape how I think your songwriting inform any of that? So you're like, oh, I might want this tone or these, you know, because you bought those new. It's the, the the guys bought a Sonar Vintage kit mm-hmm. for the new Admiral Fallow album. So did that have a uh, did the, the the songs that you were writing shape the drums you bought? Uh, I don't th- not specifically those songs, um, yeah. but I think that style of drum kit, um, a kind of more classic mm-hmm. sound in inverted commas, um, is something we'd have probably gone for anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't. Th- I had a set of DW collectors, DWs before before then, but had like coated heads on them, so they were never to sound. Really, uh, I don't know what the word would be. I'm not amazing at drum talk, but like, <laughs> like fusiony. Yeah, <laughs> you know like what I mean. Clean. Not that kind of like. Boom, yeah, you know, it was never really to sound yeah, like that. It was yeah. supposed to sound like much warmer. Well, I was like 17 or 18 when I bought those DWs. I didn't really know what I was doing. I bought a 24 inch kick drum, which I've never been able to make sound good to be honest. <laughs> um, so I think just na- like that was great to come in and try some stuff. Um, and those are lovely drums. And I'd done a bit of dorking out on videos mm-hmm. and stuff, and like. I might have watched the Sonor uh, Factory Tour video uh, twice, because yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just I really like, quite like how Germans make stuff. They tend to be pretty good at making stuff. Yeah, it like gives you a whole different perspective on the drums when you see how they're made. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the guy that's chatting is like has his job to make it sound like they are the top of the line and that and he's good at it so yeah, yeah. i'm not suggesting that <laughs> other companies <laughs> I, i'm not suggesting that other companies like don't make really interesting stuff and and yeah. it could be in 10 years time i come back and shift those sonar for something else you know yeah. but, but like, like that sorry you, on you no no no. i was just gonna say like but you've like you've come in and you've not just seen like three or four drums on the floor you've come in and seen like with the preconception of you know exactly what went into that like craftsman wise mm. like how exactly how it was made and like mm. how much care and attention to detail yeah. was put into it as well so it kind of yeah but we, you know we, I mean? we did also spend time that day trying mm. loads of things yeah, eh? tr- tried make, a few things some, uh, some more kind of modern inverted commas yeah. stuff and and other things and i won't lie like the way things look is important to me kind of thing i'd, mm-hmm. I'd you know i think what some folk think of as like a really amazing looking set of drums might look maybe a wee bit dated or kind of slightly corny to me or I worry that a certain kind of finish or something is just like I'm not going to feel comfortable <laughs> sitting behind this like uh, I don't know I don't want to say anything that you've got out there but like uh, oh no. this like uh, well you know what Johnny Scott's got a lovely set of tequila sunrise uh, Vista light yeah. Vista lights and I think like he sit like sitting behind those drums, he probably looks pretty cool. I feel like I would, <laughs> although I'd love a shot on them. I feel like taking them out on a like a singer songwriter tour or like a folky gig or something. With I'd lights be like, in them. Burp. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yeah, I lights totally. Yeah. Um, that said, I think they're like amazing look at drums, and I'd yeah, love yeah. to have a set. <laughs> if I had a studio, I'd love to have a set sitting yeah. in my studio. Yeah. Um. No, I've lost my train of thought. Oh no. I know. I actually had a question. Ah, okay. So, um, do you've bought those drums for recording? So, is there a specific way you wanted to treat all that? You know, from a songwriter point of view, mm-hmm. you know how you tune them. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you go for like room sound, or did you go for close miking? Or so we we went out and recorded at Chem Nineteen, which for folk who don't know is a really kind of well respected and regarded studio out near Hamilton. Um, we've worked there on, in a way, on all three records, but um, tracked the first two albums there, working with Paul Savage, who's an amazing engineer and producer, and a drummer himself was a drummer in Delgado's, mm-hmm, um, right. and like really, really, like beyond still what I can comprehend now, really knows his stuff when ah, it comes to how yeah. drums sound and, and just how anything sounds, but is particularly good at making drums sound great. The, the kind of classic chem sound is big open roomy right. um, thing and we've kind of had that in, in a way on all records before so I think it was one of the things where like let's let's not do that at all this time so there's a little there's a little vocal booth just off studio one um uh almost the same size as the room we're sitting in now which for for listeners is uh small yeah you would say <laughs> like six by eight maybe if okay 
meters. No. Um, <laughs> very, pretty small. I mean, cause I'm having a nice time, but uh, <laughs> like a small room. And the whole point was make it as dead as we can. So bring in loads of duvets, loads of pillows, close mic everything. Um, really dry, you know, really right. dry. And 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 actually, like Phil really changed the way he was playing some of the songs as well. Because when you get into a room that size, to just then kind of hit stuff really bombastically, um, kind of doesn't. Mm. It didn't. It wasn't making a lot of sense. It was kind of like this feels like we're making the record we made twelve years ago or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's really try and dry things up a wee bit in the playing as well. So like dead center yeah, of the snare and yeah, and like not wanting to quite to do that really in fashion 70s thing that seems to be on a lot of records now where you just tape everything up yeah. or put or put uh, uh, towels on the toms uh, and all yeah, that yeah. stuff I think that's a cool sound but I don't know if I'd want to listen to it for a full record mm-hmm. so um, yeah like quite dry like changed up the cymbals a wee bit okay. I've, I've got a few things that are a bit drier I've got like a older um, like a 21 inch special dry which is the older version of the special drive stuff um so it's not even got that kind of uh, it doesn't really crash kind of thing so um which is actually johnny scott's and i've been trying to pay him for it for (laughs) about two and a half years and i keep texting him to say give me your bank details so i can pay for that symbol and he's not done it yet so maybe 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 he's made too much money that's it (laughs) he's Um, making it rain so we put that out instead of like instead of like a something crashier like a 22 k which phil mm. usually uses in that band which sounds amazing as well but we, we purposely dried things up a bit and really liked how that sounded so coupled with the fact we were in a totally dead room it sounds so different from anything we've done in that studio mm-hmm. or with paul before um and and that's kind of like there's no not really any really noisy guitars there's not really any big sort of beefy riffy things mm-hmm. it kind of calmed us all down a wee bit like right. we went how would we make this record if we were approaching our mid 30s as opposed <laughs> to like 21 year old kids wanting to make noise uh, you know what i mean did you go as far as bottom heads off and uh, no no like didn't want to didn't want to change the drums too much they right. already sounded really good particularly the kick drum i don't think we touched the kick drum uh, what um what heads were on the kit do you remember or do the, you know they'll be the stock no, heads i think stock heads, right? no they weren't we, I, think we, I think we changed them out then anyway when we were right. trying them i think we i think coated something coated i think mm-hmm. remo emperors maybe but thicker so because that'll just on those drums ambassadors right? actually although we right. didn't we didn't do anything to the kick um yeah the p3 on the kick just great you know rounded bearing edges really warm it out you know so everything tuned super low sort of depended on the song on, on record three we were we worked with a kind of felt like it was kind of a fancy recording process whereby we had some extra people kicking around, right. including a chap. I want to say his name was Matthew. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Hi, Matthew. Hey, hey, M, M Dog. Um, <laughs> who Shit. was like helping be a kind of studio drum tech. So, like, tuning toms to the relative yeah. pitch of the song, that kind of stuff, you know. That's um, really hard, man. Well, uh, he really knew, like, he knew yeah. stuff. He also helped to a bunch of programming, like, right. um, which some of which there's like little moments of it on the record and stuff so he he was great in that regard and him and phil got on really well um so i guess maybe little elements like that like mm-hmm. this song is in blah blah a mm-hmm. so let's maybe because phil was playing like a uh, there's one song in particular where it's quite an involved like tom part the mm-hmm. toms are kind of part of the groove pretty much the whole way through the song so yeah a bit of relative tuning and mm-hmm. stuff like that which is just things we've kind of picked up over the years it's not something I'd really ever thought about as a drummer myself until this guy was like even tuning the snare and stuff to the key of the song which mm-hmm. as soon as you crack, crank the snare on like can't really hear that note but yeah, it's nice it's to know it's in there somewhere it's like there, it's yeah. under there, and, uh, there yeah. I'm sure folk do hear that you know and I know that's well, probably um, uh, Paul oh, yep. yeah a bit know. of that you know, I know that's um, I've sort of quite recently been getting I've been listening to some other drum podcasts sorry lads that's alright uh, mm-hmm. and and sort of just like my sort of this is horrible like my most of my time on instagram is watching folk play the play the drums or like recording techniques and stuff like that and uh <laughs> so i have been dorking out a wee bit on that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and it's it does kind of it will inform the next time i go into a studio yeah totally how i yeah. pick yeah i'm also like fortunate enough enough to have 
more than one of stuff now so yeah. like a few mm-hmm. different snare drums quite, quite a lot of, quite a lot of cymbals um did you just take it all with you and just let's see what happens yeah uh for that yeah took all my stuff and all phil's stuff wow. um and had four or five different snare drums to pick from which is just something that f- i think when you're yeah 20 years old you maybe don't have and you don't even think about yeah um we were actually talking about this recently like how uh, in fact, it's very recently we were talking about this. It was the last like, solo podcast that we did together with right. a guest. We were talking about it, yeah. Yeah, like how you need to make like what you've got just work, you know? Yeah. Like if you've only got yeah. one snare drum, it's a yeah. steel shell, you need to make it do everything. Yeah. You know? It's really fascinating though, how your preconceived notions can totally change because I, I was saying that I had done an album with a band and there was a really kind of low-fi song on the album, quite sort of... Uh, mid-tempo groove and there was a 60s 402 that we put up and it was just like nah this is just absolutely not happening mm. and I thought it would be the drum Aye. you know so it's really interesting how the minute a microphone's on them, your preconceived notions are gone that's true yep you know? and I think there are certain things that most drums can do no mm. matter if it's like an 80 quid drum or something chances mm. are if you tune it nice and low tape it up you'll get that douche thing yeah. that's kind of mm. everywhere just now um, and there'll be a even in a cheap drum I think there'll be a spot that it sounds really good at oh, yeah, totally, yeah. Agree, and it yeah. might not do everything but it might do like two things and then you've got two things that you can do with a pretty cheap drum yeah, exactly. so uh, I would love to have millions of drums to yeah. choose from but, but you don't, don't at this stage I don't feel like I'd really need more than kind of what I've got yeah. doesn't mean I'll stop playing uh. <laughs> but uh, do, so um, in the studio do, you know how you were saying you took more than one snare drum. Did mm-hmm. you find like, like a favourable drum that you just either you tried swapping it out and just mm-hmm. thought, oh no, maybe we'll keep this, like, and it worked. Or... Yeah, it's funny. It's I can't really remember because track drums a few months ago, but um, it is funny when you find something that sounds really good. You kind of want to keep going with it. Yeah, and that only really changes when you catch you've maybe got to maybe three or four songs later, and you're like actually let's try something else for that so mm-hmm. um we didn't go down quite to that thing of like let's tune retune and change drums and change symbols for every song just cause yeah, yeah we sort of found a nice combination and s- largely stuck to it but also had options of other stuff you know yeah. like phil's got some nice drums and cymbals as well so we were able to just yeah chop and change but it is like something when you find something really satisfying it's quite hard to take that off yeah mm. Mm. I know this is a drum podcast, but did you do the same with guitars? Well, funnily enough, like I, I think those. So Paul and Jamie, who's his younger brother, who also is like kind of one of the chief engineers out at Kim. Um, I think the two of them just hate Fender guitars, eh? <laughs> and I've largely got Fender guitars. So like a Tele, a Jazzmaster, um, are my two sort of the main guitars that I would play shows with just because like particularly a telly is pretty versatile yeah it's the guitar um, i don't have a guitar tech or loads of guitars mm-hmm. so um that's the one i tend to use for the whole show whether i would record the whole record with it um is another thing so i was kind of starting songs with that and like paul's a really polite guy but he's done it to me on previous records where he's kind of gone have you got anything you got any other guitars <laughs> so invariably <laughs> i would be using maybe something of emma's right kicking around there or luckily jamie was in and uh asked he he tends to play like hollow body guitars and so i asked if he had anything kicking around and he happened to have a guild right he bought in london four or five years ago and never touched it so he bought it to sell it on in the future kind Mm -hmm. of thing so it was like as new i think he'd played it once in the shop it's been in the box ever since i took it out and uh didn't even like it was not even kind of pitchy sometimes guitars haven't been touched in a wee while just sounded really 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 nice and like pretty warm i can't remember i'm not very good at like knowing dorky gear Mm. gear stuff but it was like a kind of hollow body something or other like one one set of pickups you know it wasn't like switching between blah 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 loads of stuff um and it just sounded amazing and i I pretty much tracked kind of like what we're just talking about drum wise kind of just tracked the whole record using that and inevitably got to the end of it and went well I need to play that guitar when we're going to play these songs, so I had to had to buy it. <laughs> 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 so I bought it off Jamie like at the end of the session, 
and I think he would have loved to have held on it and sold it for more money, but he was happy that it was me taking it off him kind of thing. Yeah. So. Well, if it's laying in a box for years. Aye, aye. aye. And so it, it sounds lovely. And, uh, and I'm now going to, I'm probably going to, if I can't stop buying <laughs> drums and cymbals, <laughs> uh, I might start to sell some guitars. And I think I'm going to get rid of a few things and just have the telly and this lovely guild sort of sunburst looking babe. Um, mm. Those are kind of going to be my two, my two guys. Man, high end gear's your thing, eh? Like it wasn't, it. it wasn't like thousands of pounds. It no, was no, like no, a pretty no. affordable, but like, I think I don't know. What do you Maybe think of gear now? Well, because you, I mean, yeah, <laughs> the last few months you've been in and, and chopping and changing and buying different things. Mm-hmm. So, is it just your ears are changing or? Or like you're just realizing that maybe darker, lower pitch tones are the vibe. Well, thing is, like I don't have. It's not like I'm. It's not like I'm cha- like making wholesale changes, where I've used I used to like things that sound like that, and yeah, now yeah. I like things. That sound, I think I'm just like. Well, it's a problem. I think it's most like a problem. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I really, <laughs> I really like trying new things. I really like trying stuff out. Um, and my, my bank balance doesn't like it so much but uh, <laughs> I think um, I think I've always liked kind of darker sounding things yeah. particularly when it comes to symbols. I've never I think it's like we've, we've all played on our high school drum kits and played like Sabian Prosonics or B8s and I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna like uh, slag off things that you guys probably sell and I think it's like they're pretty good symbols at that age yeah, and stage, so you know what I mean? They're, yeah, they're better than like, yeah. like Ben Lids. But um, I think when when we grow up playing stuff that sounds like that, it's quite easy to then just take that one little step up and go, oh, oh man, that sounds that actually sounds really nice to hit that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like, oh, can you play that a bit quieter because it's killing my ears. So I don't really know. Um, I, I, I haven't cared for ages and in the past year I've really started to care about some of my gear and, mm-hmm. and and how it sounds when I'm playing with folk and I really like the the majority of the work I've been doing out with Admiral Fallow in like the freelance world has been playing the drums like I don't get booked for many sessions playing mm-hmm. guitar occasionally a bit of singing mm-hmm. um, very occasionally a bit of keys but mostly it's as a drummer and so I, I sort of started caring a bit more about my, my yeah. stuff and what it sounds like and uh, maybe trends a little bit which is kind of hard to avoid because you oh, tend to yeah. work with folk who kind of want you know that thing you know like I don't know made some music in the last couple of years with good friends of mine Ewan Burton and Siobhan Miller Siobhan's an amazing folk singer and Ewan's an excellent bass player and producer and, and so he, and he's really into um, the way things sound as you'd expect as an engineer and producer but like things like that Phoebe Bridgers record Stranger mm. in the Alps it's called I don't know if you guys have come across it but um, some of the sounds on that record for example are things that we've been we we, we kind of started recreating when we were working on Siobhan's last record um, whether it be like drum sound stuff or um, even kind of instrumentation on, on top of that so I think just hearing records that are that people are really enjoying that they're um that they've been hearing before working on songs as reference points mm-hmm. yeah it's something like i really love the drums on this song and you kind of listen to it and go right what how can i make that sound mm-hmm. using my stuff you know mm-hmm. and um, also make it your own as well like, well of course yeah yeah not not in terms of like carbon copying any parts or, yeah. or anything like that but yeah um i think avoiding the trends thing is is quite difficult Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, we we see it all the time. Dark and dry, big thin dark symbols was is huge just now. Mine all over the last five years have been crazy on the dark stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been a really big thing. And do you think that's? Do you think that's folk watching drummers Instagram feeds, not necessarily playing music, but playing drum solos that have those kind of really, uh, what's the word? They kind of open up and close really quickly. Yeah, what do I you call so. them? Then? I, I don't know how to describe them, but I, I know I kind of know what you're talking about. But I don't hear those symbols getting used a lot with music. No, you're you know right. what I mean. Like right, in a studio, the, I can't yeah. imagine that sounding like a symbol. No, I think you're right. I think the drum kit is uh, one of the few instruments where you can buy gear that way. Mm. I mean, you're not going to buy a keyboard mm. uh, unless you're buying like an eight oh eight or a nine oh nine. Or a drum machine or something, um, or an ord or something. You're not 
you know, there's, there's very few instruments I think that you're going to buy that aren't with the notion to make music. Mm. You know, but the drum kit can kind of stand alone, and people have done that. I've, we've had plenty of people that have come in, and like a year later, are back trading it in because they're like they're now playing music. We're like, ah, oh, it just doesn't yeah. project enough, yep. or it's just I'm not probably somewhere in there. I as think well. I've like done, I've got I think some all stuff done it, you know, that I've there, yeah. Yeah, got you some know. stuff that I, that I keep holding on to, kind of going, well, what if I'm, what if I maybe need this like yeah. stupid bin lid sounding symbol? I've got symbol. a pair of ten inch hi hats in a bag that have never come out the bag that they were put in. And I have no idea why I bought them. I think I saw somebody and I'm like, oh yeah, like 10 inch hats underneath your ride cymbal, that's a total vibe. Yeah. And I've never actually played them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah, we all I, I think, I wonder though if it is a bigger thing in, in the drum world than I think it is it in most is, other man. things. I, I think it definitely is. It's things like the UK drum show, which you guys were just mm. at, at recently, you know, the amount of folk that are playing, well, I, I, I wasn't there, but like, the amount of folk that are playing like drum solos as their mm-hmm. as their thing mm-hmm. like how many folk are playing with like how many folk are getting other musicians to play with and kind of going yeah go play with a trio here because yeah you're right we'd you're like right. to listen to some music you're you know? absolutely you're i right. think uh i think my relationship with drums will always be how it works with other music yeah. um I'm, and that might be because i can't play a drum solo to save my life <laughs> but i also don't I'm sure if I put in some hours, I, I would be able to, but like, who wants... Yeah, I can This is probably the exact wrong podcast to be saying it, but like, who wants to listen to that? I don't want to listen to that, is what yeah. I'm saying. Well, that's ha- I mean, that's all that really matters, because I think the, when you make honest music, that's the only music, that's the best music you can make. And yeah. I think YouTube's not helped. I think a lot of people have become, a lot of drummers have become kind of, of the YouTube sensations that have, have hit the, the, mm. the, the world, end up sort of making music around the gear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which i think is the wrong way personally i think is the wrong way to approach it i think like yeah to kind of go off that like social media has had a huge impact on mm-hmm. firstly how drummers perceive themselves as well mm-hmm. like they feel as though it's, it's quite fascinating to watch actually if you go and see a band and you can tell like within about three seconds like if the drummer's just spent most of his time just watching instagram videos right because there's just like chops yeah. everywhere yeah mm-hmm. like yeah. Sometimes not always the best practice, mm-hmm. right enough. But like they're just throwing it in where it's just really not necessary and yeah. not called for. It's an interesting kind of social time that we live or that we're that we're living in just now. Of like not even just in music across the board, how like social media and Instagram and stuff like that is is changing how people think. It's going to be a well, really interesting one to look at in like twenty thirty yeah, years. Yeah, I, I remember going to see Jojo <laughs> Mayer recently. Um. And I, before this comes out of my mouth, I'm not heavy in Jojo Mary's sensational. His band are sensational, but people were watching dance music. Mm. They weren't dancing. Mm-hmm. It's just like a hundred drummers mm. watching a drummer play dance music mm. was the weirdest thing to me. I was like, mm. I just don't get why we're here. Yeah. Um. Because he started that band. He started all that music because he was. He, he f- happened upon it in a club one night and right. was like, what is this? This is amazing, all this drum and bass stuff. That the night he went out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the night he wasn't practising. Yeah. He was like, what is this um, club? But there's like a whole load of drummers standing <laughs> at, at the barrier watching his feet. Yeah. But for some folk are into that. And I, I, like, I, yeah, but I, it, I should go back and say that I, I think like loads of folk get loads out of drum solos. You guys probably, you know, I'd be interested to know in like retail world how more folk looking at videos of folk doing it has has probably been quite helpful for you guys so it's hard to of course it is it's kind of hard to say it's all a terrible thing and folk you know like the online videos and stuff you can watch which you couldn't do even 10 or 15 years ago um or maybe you could i just didn't know where to look (laughs) uh is like probably going to be quite helpful for a lot of folk but i I think um, all that's happened is it's really just maybe accelerated the process mm because when we were kids it was modern drummer or rhythm Mm -hmm. and you would open the magazine and you'd be like what symbols are Dave Weckl playing? Mm, and then yep. the next thing you're going to the Legacy, drum got a set of the hats. Y- totally. Mm-hmm. Also used to use his sticks. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like I played, I grew up with... That's like, a nice I Love Weckl t-shirt you've got. <laughs> <laughs> with Jimmy yeah. Chamberlain on the brain because yeah. I loved Smashing Pumpkins. So I, I would play Yamaha and Sabian mm-hmm. because that's what he was mm-hmm. playing. And mm-hmm. I thought yep. I would sound that great because, yep. you know, but now it's just like, there's a hundred in us t- every 10 seconds because mm-hmm. we're on Instagram so how many posts are there and we just see it more mm-hmm. and 
isn't, isn't the psychology I, I sometimes lie awake at like four in the morning thinking about this kind of stuff but isn't the psychology of a video that you've like poured your heart and soul into like for like a minute is like literally just the case of someone swiping like mm-hmm. like a mm. like a millimeter mm-hmm. just and it's like something you've poured so much into is just gone yeah yeah, it's pretty it's like crazy, film, that, isn't it? film like, trailers are a mm. classic example. How many times have you skipped past the film trailer? Mm. Yeah, you right. know, like because you just I don't fancy that. Yeah, you know, but it Next, might be the, the, you're not sitting in a theater having to sit through them before the film you've gone to see comes on. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you can just go yeah. past it. You know, yeah, very very strange. Did talking of all that stuff? Did that change the way Admiral Fallow sell music? Good question. It feels like uh, since the last record, which was in 2015 came out the game has changed so much like you know streaming services and thing mm-hmm. that was already a thing um i feel really really out of the loop um with it all and uh like i i know we've not ever sold a lot of records but i get the feeling going forward we're gonna sell even fewer records and mm-hmm. it does kind of make you at a band at our level it does kind of make you go how long are we gonna be able to do this you know and yeah. and, and keep it up um we're sort of funding this latest record ourselves. We're not. We're cu- currently, as as I speak, um, without a kind of label partner. So we're going to go and look to see if we can find the right label to to work with us on that. And if and if nothing presents itself to us that we're interested in pursuing, we'll we'll maybe put it out ourselves, mm-hmm. which is going to be an interesting thing to do. In itself, Sarah's released music herself before, and mm-hmm. and we I think we know enough about how that all works to be able to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Whether we'd want to do it ourselves, I'm not really sure. It's it's loads of work. It's yeah. like um, the whole build up to it and, and scheduling like it a year in doing our own and PR all and all yeah. that kind of stuff uh, is a full time job, which none of us have got the time for, mm-hmm. and we don't have the money as a band to pay ourselves to do it kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, um, in terms of how we sell it, we've always had pretty loyal fans who come and buy stuff at the gigs um, but again we haven't toured for kind of three or four years so it's going to be an interesting one to start that again I mm-hmm. think in general we're going to not probably be able to do it to the level we did it before i.e. like six seven week tours around mm-hmm. Europe and the UK a month out in the States um, these aren't things we're going to really be able to to give the time to mm-hmm. or frankly want, want to do yeah, kind of yeah, done yeah. that thing and, and really enjoyed it at the time but can't imagine can't imagine doing that again so um we're just going to try and do all that stuff to a point where we kind of get enjoyment enjoyment out of doing it Uh um and probably not try not to run ourselves kind of into the ground with it yeah yeah Yeah, it's a very strange time for anybody trying to sell music i think it must be really really challenging yep um it's pretty mind-boggling yeah Uh, the kind of streaming world is one that i've never quite been able to wrap my head around um, yeah. Like who? Where is the money that these labels are putting into these records? Like where is that going? Does it just disappear because they're not making it back on streaming? No. Um, well, I just read an article, and I just read an article today that um, Apple have just recently got rid of the iTunes Store. Yep. Like completely yep. just got rid of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is I like found that out when I plugged my iPod Classic in to update it with a few new records, and it just like wiped the iPod, and then I couldn't even open that. Uh, like iTunes was just like. Perm. Nope. Nope. Which it's is crazy, really, though. really sad because, like, I'm a bit long in the tooth when it comes to how I listen to music. I don't have a Spotify account um, or a stream any streaming account. I would buy more recently records, vinyl records, and mm-hmm. uh, some of which came with a download code. I would stick that download code into my iTunes and then put it on my iPod, mm-hmm. iPad, quite <laughs> dad. Um, and that would be it and like I totally had a classic which I'd re-bought two or three times because they didn't make them yeah, for years I loved it and mm-hmm. uh, you just got so much it's totally sound like a, a granddad but you were able to put so many records on there and I <laughs> love that like I don't I don't love the idea of having all the albums in my phone that I can pull off some cloud somewhere yeah. and um, pay yeah. a tenner a month it's yeah. like what that's not even but it's also a record anymore like that as well I find myself doing this a lot in the car like with that much choice like you just kind of don't really know what to listen to it's a bit like netflix as well and i find myself a lot of the time pressing shuffle on the phone but then i find myself skipping mm-hmm. a lot of it and it's like well mm-hmm. then the whole kind of yep. art of the album like i guess is gone i've had something you yeah. were just talking about about scrolling through the videos yeah, yeah exactly. nobody's given i know elbow who are a band i've admired for many years um 
Elbow just put out a new record last Friday, yep. um, or several Fridays ago, depending on when this <laughs> goes out. Uh, but the, one of the things they were doing, albeit for one day only, was selling a CD, which was a one-track album. So you couldn't skip the tracks; you had to listen to the whole oh, thing. Great. Oh, great! Which, okay. like you know, if you didn't know that's what you were buying, you might be a bit raging about. I really <laughs> want to hear the single, which is track blah blah. But like even things like that, like little acts of defiance in the world. In that world, is like why not have a have a little go? You know, yeah, they're only yeah, selling exactly. it for I'd, one day. I just of. inherited a car, uh, my mum's old car, and it's got a CD player in it, mm-hmm. and I can't plug my phone into it. So mm. I've had to revisit yep. listening to the albums. Did the it, same it's thing amazing. Yeah, because I just forget you like, and I, I I've been really really sort of disciplined, and I'm like, no, don't skip the track. Mm. I know what track is next, and mm. I don't like it. Just force yourself to listen to it. <laughs> and well, I've started yeah. to go. Well, actually, do you know what? That song's amazing. Mm-hmm. songs i thought when i was 10 years ago like eh, me i'm like no that's really great it so, did the same exact same thing happened to me about this time last year when my old car died and i bought my friend's car again nothing to plug in cd player only a little bit of advice do you do quite a lot of driving like every if day. you're doing weddings but yeah, like to work dis- decent distance driving not is what in I mean. that car we, we take no, my right. wife's bigger car because nonetheless uh, a good bit of advice that i've found is like albums with loads of songs on them so like you're not getting around like 10 songs and then you're like oh i'm not even home and i'm back at track one so like 69 love songs by magnetic fields is one i've had on recently i don't know if you know that record it's over three discs 69 love songs is actually how many songs are on it so like uh albums that are really long maybe like some hip-hop records or something tend to have like 42 songs on them or something most of which are skits but yeah uh, uh, you'll be uh, you'll be entertained for a while Yeah, yeah totally it's great and so there's like eight cds in my car yeah currently and i can i've now what have go, you got uh i'm really into a guy called pete yorn right oh, yeah. uh, he's great his new record's out but i don't have it because it's i've not bought it yet because uh, it's on uh it's not available on cd right uh i think it's only uh, import vinyl right and it's like 70 quid and you can't go into hmv and be like are you getting the new pete yorn <laughs> on cd <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe the most part. Because they will just laugh you out there. They'll uh, laugh you out I, the I, shop, I would actually kind of like to see you just going in and uh, purely asking that in that <laughs> voice. That would be amazing. So I've got his first three albums in the car. I have Pearl Jam's Binaural in the car, which is probably my favourite Pearl Jam album. And it's the first album with Matt Cameron playing the drums. Mm-hmm. And he's amazing. I have Smashing Pumpkins Gish, which is from 91. Mm-hmm. I forgot how good that album is. It's amazing, and Counting Crows is recovering the satellites. I think are what's in the car currently. There you go. So yeah, go. and I can expertly change a CD with one hand now. Pretty good. Yeah. Don't, maybe don't pub, maybe don't yeah. broadcast that. Oh, that's, get that's some. Uh, cool. It's just in the pole pole sitting behind you. The next set of lights. Yeah. And finally today, <laughs> <laughs> a young man in Glasgow. No, it's a bit. But the aye, the, the whole crux of it is I'm I'm now listening again to albums. Yep. And it's which is good. Yeah, it's very good. Mm-hmm. I am. I'm into it. Who are you listening to at the moment? Oh, you know what? For the last, it's kind of coincidence. I had a uh, son. You know this. Yes. I had a my first child. Congratulations! My wife's pregnant. About, oh well. Yeah, yeah, just with twelve weeks, just there. So well, well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. I feel, I, I feel a bit left Pop out. The from, if I'm honest. Yeah. Pop the shot. It's uh, no, it's great. It's been a. He's five months old, so it's all pretty new. But um, it coincided. Firstly, we'll be buying loads of gear. No, um, and by <laughs> gear, I mean drums and cymbals. This and, guitar, and one guitar. <laughs> um, it also coincided with me really, really hating a lot of new music, a lot of, um, yeah, albums that are kind of coming out in the world of music that I listen to, which is generally like a kind of six music sort of, loads of indie records, mm-hmm. loads of singer-songwriter records not loads of like records that have got amazing drums on them um it's not kind of a world i love records that have great drums mm-hmm. and great drum sounds on them but it's mm-hmm. not a world that i go looking for if you know what i mean mm-hmm. so uh hated loads of stuff um and just in the last week or two sort of stumbled across a couple of things that i didn't hate for the first time in ages and i really don't know so in the interim i've i've kind of like you been going back through a load of old some cds and some records um but like this is gonna sound really sort of dad and maybe that is part of it but like going back through some old beatles records mm-hmm. um going back through some old kind of collections of things uh 
D- Dusty Springfield, Louis Armstrong, like kind of going Nina Simone, going back through artists I listened to when I was a teenager, uh-huh. um, and loved then, but maybe didn't understand all that much. Yeah, like, yeah. okay, tech, I've listened to Nina Simone. I can tell folk I've listened to Nina Simone. I yeah. sound like really cultured. Like, <laughs> Edith Piaf, like buy an Edith Piaf <laughs> record. Oh yeah, I love French music. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, I sort of did loads of that then. But now I've gone back and gone, like, now that I know a little bit more about music than I did when I was 17 years old, yeah. sort of gone back and listened to it. And it's obviously still amazing, and that's why they're classic artists. So in my hate, in my hate-fueled couple of months of new music, I went and listened to a whole bunch of right. older music. Mm-hmm. Um, although there's a couple of things just recently released that I like the sound of. Jessica Hoop is a Manchester-based American singer-songwriter um, who put out a really interesting sounding record a few months ago. Uh, a single by that band Devochka came on okay. recently um, which I heard I think on the radio they uh, I don't know loads about them but they did some of the music for that film Little Miss Sunshine which oh, was like yeah, yeah. a brilliant movie yeah it was a great film I actually yeah. was thinking about that movie the other day and thinking it would make a, an amazing Christmas movie although it's set in LA in like the height of summer yeah, and yeah. like there's nothing Christmassy about it at all but it's got a bit of family That's kind of feel good thing yeah. road trip yeah totally amazing so Devochka did some of the music along with like Sufjan Stevens for that movie uh, couple other things nothing nothing of what nothing is kind of jumping into my head right now I'm afraid um, I've got some old favourites that I always mm-hmm. look out for coming around uh-huh. Elbow being one of them uh, I wasn't if I'm honest I wasn't blown away by their last couple of records but I think there's interesting things on this new one although I haven't listened to it yet I think Guy Garvey's an amazing songwriter yeah he's, he's great he's a kind of songwriting inspirational their new drummer's great he's Alex great Reeves. he plays uh, Spanish Sonor he does, drums aye. much like myself yeah. and yourself yeah he does aye. he must have seen videos of us totally, totally <laughs> yeah. I, like, I heard there's these guys in Glasgow yeah so uh, on Instagram don't know loads about them their old drummer their, their drummer for years and years uh, is Richard amazing Chup. Richard yeah. Chop a totally amazing player yeah, he's very good and a great like again quite inspirational in terms of like just does his job in that band yeah mm-hmm. um the main thing about that band is Guy Garvey's lyrics and, and his singing yeah, and there's song, amazing stuff is. but like man some of the grooves on like particularly on er- earlier Elbow Records yeah, yeah. are really worth a listen things like uh, uh, Grace Under Pressure mm-hmm. um, and uh, a couple of things off the new uh, the first record Newborn mm-hmm. Newborn's a um, great song Scattered Black and White just yeah. like sitting on a groove for the whole song yeah and that's what he did live as well. Like yeah. he wasn't like, "Oh, cool! I'm in front of people now. I'm gonna like, yeah, I'm gonna do loads he, of fills." All my chops. Me, yeah, <laughs> he aye. makes me think of Phil Selway. Yep, very much. In a way, like I Phil think. Selway. I think, and they play together. Eh? No disrespect to Phil Selway, but no, I think like a better, probably a technically better drummer than Phil. Yeah, uh, Phil's one of those players that like, he sounds great in that band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he, he doesn't. He's not like I wouldn't put him in my top ten. Like drummers necessarily as drummers although probably one of my favorite bands to listen to in yeah, terms yeah. of like the parts and the, yeah and the when you think i think of things like the national anthem mm-hmm. where he just plays that part round and round yep. and round and round and doesn't and he goes to i think he goes to the ride symbol towards the end and that's like this massive change of the mm-hmm. song mm-hmm. So, yeah same on uh something like um weird fishes mm-hmm where he's got that groove that pretty much goes through the whole way, th- whole way through it and for a moment he, he nips off to a cymbal and mm-hmm. then he comes back and closes it up again yeah mm-hmm. just like and who knows like is that a, has he done that in a take and they've gone man we're not changing that that's yeah. amazing that's our drum take kind yeah. of thing mm-hmm. who knows my, my pal john mccusker who's a folk musician um got him to play on a couple of songs on uh the Drever mccusker Wimble record which right. is yeah, yeah. Chris Drever and Roddy Wimble, yeah, who's the singer in Idlewild, yeah, Idlewild yeah. Um, they made a f- sort of folk sounding record about 10 or 12 years ago and Phil Selway who was a pal of John's at the time and I think still is played a couple of tunes and I went out on a sh- small tour with that trio just playing drums and some bass parts kind of with my left hand badly um, I think they were doing it on a budget <laughs> <laughs> and I had to play a couple like two of the songs that Phil yeah. Selway had played drums on at which they gleefully announced to the crowd that oh, great. The, the drummer from Radiohead recorded these songs, so good luck, kind of thing. Like, really put me on the spot. <laughs> Luckily, like, it was a folk gig, so nobody in the crowd knew who Radiohead was. Yeah. <laughs> but it was quite, it was like, oh, aye. Like, interesting to play Cheeky. his part. Yeah. Uh, I think it's quite interesting. Like, you don't, it may not sound overly complex until you try and play it. Yep. And you're like, whoa, that's yep. so much going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But I've banged on about this before, but I'm going to do it again just because we mentioned Alex Reeves and we talked about Sona Drums. He did this thing for Sound On Sound magazine called Drums in a Room. Yep. It's sensational. Pretty cool, eh? Yeah, it's really great. And a really good example of like just changing little things really makes a big like mic placement, which I'm sure you'll talk to someone about down the line but uh like the way where a mic is in in relation to the drum and in what room we talked to at the start earlier on in this episode about uh making those drums in a in a very small room Mm -hmm. um and uh, the difference that makes and so that's a that's a cool video that alex reeves i can't remember what it's called alex reeves yeah drums in a room room. yeah totally yeah it's uh, hello my chum it's me and i'm banging on your door It's been far too long since we set the leaves alight down on the floor I've returned for a while to the concrete that once claimed my knees And the stones my hands owned as I set them toward windows and trees Towering trees, towering trees You guys, you guys played the barras though, like a lot, didn't you? Or a few times. We did the barras in two uh, two thousand and ten with Frightened Rabbit, two nights, right, one of it, which was almost snowed off. Was it everything you dreamed of? Just terrifying, eh? Like ah. I talked right at the start about not being nervous when I'm not doing in in classical, but that was quite scary, just because ah. it's a big. I think just the, not even the size of it, because actually when you're on the stage, it doesn't really doesn't seem like it's that big. Yeah. But just the kind of uh, gravity pathos yeah the uh, the weight of the room if you like Uh, so it was a bit scary and then we headlined it in 2012 and for the benefit of the tape we sold it out i think it was like maybe 50 shy of selling out but Mm -hmm. we'll just say we sold out Uh, and uh that was amazing and loads of folk still talk loads of pals and stuff still who don't necessarily talk to me about my band ever still sort of talk fondly of that night Mm -hmm. and uh it was amazing and uh, who knows maybe one day we'll be back there we've actually got a show in december we just booked a show like to to try and pay for this album to to be finished to get it mixed um we booked a show in december in saint luke's and it sold out in like a week and a half yeah which we were really surprised about because as i say we've not done anything for like three or four years so that that felt amazing to know that you can would you put another night on i don't think we'll add a night yet at this stage um largely through diary problems like getting a gig like four months in advance like are we all free on a weekday in december like yeah okay we can make it work so um but that's really good to know that folk are still kind of hungry for it and then we'll play a bunch of new music that night and then hopefully it'll kind of kick start the next wee bit of what we're doing great well um where can people find you on the in the world wide webs um I don't know what you'd be looking for. I mean, like Admiral Fallow. Admiral Fallow. Dot com. Right. Uh, socials. Pretty quiet on that? the socials. Right. Pretty bad at the socials, eh? Really? Find it really hard to. Me too. Feel like I'm saying anything that anyone's going to care ah, about totally in any way. So, ah. but well, you know, you'll find it. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much for today. It's been great. Thanks for having me, you thanks guys. For having, uh, and thanks uh, for having. Thanks you. for having me. Thanks for having <laughs> you. Thanks for having you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll no doubt see you soon. Yep. You yeah. will. Cheers, Lee. Woo. Bye. Bye.